Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Well, in Psalm 68, Colin, we were saying yesterday that as well as God being God of the nations and moving the nations and peoples around, he's also interested in the individual. He's interested in the fatherless, the widow and the lonely. And uh, we're going to stay with this psalm and discover more about the nature of God. Yes, in verse 19, praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. I love that. We, We were looking a few days ago. Uh, where we are to cast our cares upon the Lord. And why can we cast our cares upon him? Because he daily bears our burdens. I mean, isn't this wonderful? You need to know the Lord like that. Whoever you are, you need to know the Lord like that. You need to know that he loves you and cares for you so much that he is willing to daily bear your burdens. Not to share the load with you, but to actually allow you to pass the burden that you are carrying on to him. He daily bears the burden. And when you know God's love and care for you like that, it is such a liberating thing. And, and then in the very next verse, the psalmist says, Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Now, the, that I believe is, is not just... Uh, a word about the way in which God heals some people from terminal sickness, although he certainly does that. But I think there are all kinds of ways I could testify in my own life, and I, I know talking to many other Christians, they would also say that God has saved them from death. That um, if it hadn't been for God, they could have been killed in one way or another. And uh, I, I believe that is the loving care and protection of God over our lives. And that, to me, is another wonderful sign of his love. When do we know that he's really bearing our burden? When we cease to worry about it, even though it's still there, we haven't actually seen it removed, but it's no longer our problem. I think that's it. I, I think that's it. You you just know, well, you know, I mean, there are, there are certain um, difficult situations at this moment uh, that I pray about that um, concern me. They're not directly related to my personal life, but they concern me. And um, I know the Lord is saying to me, the burden is mine, not yours. I will I will look after that situation. I will care for that situation. Yes, you continue to pray, but it's it, I'm the one that will work it out. And you say, yes, Lord, that's right. I don't have to worry. Now, um, uh, there's a difference, I believe, between being concerned and being worried. Uh, you know, Jesus actually gave us a command, be anxious for nothing. Do not be worried about anything. That's a command. I think it was um, Wesley who said that's the one command that every Christian disobeys. Yes. Um, because it is natural for us to worry. But there's a difference between being concerned about a situation and worried about it. When I, I would say to people, worrying is saying to God, this situation is too big for you to deal with, so I will worry about it. Now, when you put it like that, you say, well, that's crazy. That kind of attitude is crazy. But Jesus says, you see, what, what good does worrying do? doesn't add an inch to your height or a year to your life. 
It doesn't accomplish anything. Worry is a purely negative thing and actually only makes the situation appear worse than it did at the beginning. So you can be concerned, and in your concern you can pray, and in your concern you can cast your cares upon the Lord, and in your concern you can know that God's purpose is to daily bear your burden. Therefore, you do not have to worry about the outcome. And then we read that God gives power and strength to his people. Right at the end of the psalm. Yes, praise God that he does. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, he's the Lord, you see. The, <laughs> we, we've got this, this same... Um, uh, it's not conflict, it's like uh, the tension. It's like the, the two sides of God, his great might... Um, Verse 34, proclaim the power of God whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. You are awesome, O God, in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. This is the one who daily bears our burdens and therefore gives us the strength in whatever way is necessary to see us through the dilemmas and difficulties of our lives. So practical. God is so, so practical. Uh, you know, if anybody says to me, well, how can you prove God exists? I say to them, well, give your life to him, and then you will see how practical he is. <laughs> but, of course, you know, um, people sometimes say, well, how can I give my life to someone who I don't believe exists? So I say, well, you never will know that he exists until you give your life to him, then you discover that he is real. It's taking that first step, isn't it's it? It's taking sometimes? that first step, yes. Yes, absolutely. So where do we go from here? Well... We've, one of the things that we've seen is that God knows everything that's going on in our lives. And in Psalm 69 and verse 5, we read, You know my folly, O God. My guilt is not hidden from you. The, one of the amazing things about the unfailing love of God is that he knows all about our mistakes. He knows about our sins. He knows about our stupidity and our foolishness. He knows about our lack of wisdom. Yet he doesn't cast us off. He doesn't throw us out of his kingdom. He doesn't say, I don't want anything more to do with you. All the time, he wants to restore us in our relationship, in our trust with him. He wants to take us out of our foolishness and back into his wisdom. May those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me, O Lord, the God, the Lord Almighty. May those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. Now, there's a very, very real issue here, and I, I, I want everybody to listen very carefully to what I'm going to say now, because I've found that pastorally speaking over the years, one of the deepest concerns that many Christians have is the impact that they've had on the lives of other people. And some feel a deep sense of shame and guilt on the way they have failed and um, they're very fearful of the detrimental effect that their behavior and their failure has had upon other people. Now, I believe a certain number of things are important to understand in this context. First, of course, that God forgives us. Secondly, that God is able to redeem any situation where we have caused harm. And God is greater than our failure. And God is able to move in the lives of people upon whom we may have had a negative effect. 
But thirdly, I believe that rather than simply having a sort of a negative attitude um, towards a sense of failure, you can turn that into a positive and, and do what David does here in this prayer. And you can turn it into um, a plea really to God because the, David is praying in this psalm. You see that he wants to be saved in the future from ever having any negative or detrimental effect upon others. Now, let's put this in the positive because you see what Jesus taught is you are to love one another as I have loved you. And John, who heard Jesus say that, teaches in his first epistle that if you love God, you will love your brother also. That if you do not love the one you do see, you cannot love the, uh, the one who you do not see. In other words, if you don't love people, you, you can't love God. But if you do love God, then you will love the people that he gives you to love. The one will be the result of the other. So that's looking at it positively, that because we have, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God living in us, we can spread that love abroad, not harm, not hurt, um, not anything negative. God can keep us from, from, from actually imparting any negatives to others if we keep the law of love in our lives. If we keep loving, we will always impact the others with the positive and not the negative. And God will take care of the past. God always takes care of the past. We can't rewrite the past. We can't undo the things of the past. But God is able to redeem the past. And um, I think you'd probably be surprised if you could know uh, the way that God has done that, the way God has compensated for your failures in the lives of other people. And actually, in the ways that sometimes other people have met with God, I, I won't say because of your failures, but despite your failure. And, and you know, I, I think, Julia, that sometimes we have the, um, uh, personally, the, the worst estimate of whether we have really failed or not. Um, there, there have been times when I preached at a meeting, you know, and I, I felt at the end, I don't know, I, I, I think somehow I really missed it tonight, that there wasn't, it wasn't really flowing with God in the way I normally do. And then, you know, one person after another will come up to me and say, oh, God has met with me in such a wonderful way tonight, and this has happened and that has happened. God has just healed me and God has just... And I realize that, that all these things, God is just moving those people to come and encourage me because actually we usually have a very wrong estimate of, of how um, good or badly we have performed in a situation. I think the important thing, you know, uh, Julia, is that all of us simply commit what we do to the Lord. We entrust ourselves to him and believe that he's going to speak through us, work through us, whatever we're doing in our daily lives, not just in a, when we preach in his name, but whatever we do, and we can trust him to redeem the mistakes that we make. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 